Some of you are parents, some of you are not parents, some of you want to be parents, some of you are glad you're not parents, some of you are glad that it's all over with. Look, I just want to talk today to try and hit on all these situations that uh, today it's really important to look at parenting. Uh, my daughter, who's now 17, actually I've done this a couple of times in, in Eastbourne, and she sat there and listened to me every time sitting on the front row making sure what I was saying was absolutely accurate. And there was one moment in my talk where I was thinking... It, I don't know if you know this, that when a preacher is preaching, they're having a little dialogue with themselves in their head. It's really off-putting because I'm trying to preach and thinking about something else. Sometimes you might notice that. But uh, I'm thinking about something else, and I knew I was coming up to a point in my talk where I'm going, we don't actually practice this in our home family unit. And as soon as I said it verbally out loud, she looked at my wife and went, you don't do that. No, no, I don't do that. I'm so sorry. So even in front of everyone over in Eastbourne, I had to, yeah, we we do now. But uh, I will come to that bit and I'll emphasize that bit specially. My daughter made a significant milestone in her life a few weeks ago. Uh, She's 17 years of age, but that wasn't the milestone. She reached average UK height for women. She was so pleased because she did not think she was ever going to make it. And now, average UK height is five foot three, and she's made for women. Is and she's made it. Okay, so she's she's got, we still put the marker up on the wall, and you know, you still do that little pencil markings. Come on, come on, stretch out. She did that. My son is now nineteen years of age, and uh, he, and he left home in September, and he's still alive. That is a major milestone in our life, that he is still alive, still eating, still breathing, and uh, is actually, as we speak, he's on his way to Malaysia from Singapore, so he's also enjoying life a lot. But uh, there was a moment that happened a couple of weeks ago that Belinda and myself were sitting up in bed having an early morning cup of tea, and we were talking about Jake, our son, how he's eating well and growing well and going on with God and is enthusiastic about in life. And after 18 and a half years thinking that we were failures of parents, as being parents, we realized that actually we perhaps we had got some things right. And so actually we gave ourselves a high five in bed. We're like, Come on, we've done it, we've done it. And uh, parenting is such a tough job, okay? So uh, honestly, I understand that. But uh, let's just watch, talking about tough jobs, let's just watch this job on a video. This is genuine internet videos that took place advertising a job. So being a parent is a tough job, and uh, we've got many people who are exhausted by it, and uh, some of you are just holding on and surviving by it. Some of you are going, oh, I remember, I remember. Okay, I, I do kind of want to talk in on something. Don't, please don't switch off if uh, you think this is irrelevant. I want to make it, uh, try to make it relevant to everyone, especially towards the end, but I do just want to spend some time uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which actually doesn't practically talk about parenting. If you want to look at uh, what the Bible says about parenting, you'd be better off going into the book of Ephesians or into the book of Proverbs. But we're in the book uh, of Matthew, and we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to use a passage in here which really talks about how God, our Heavenly Father, wants stuff for us. And how He parents us is a really good example how we can parent uh, our own children. So we can become God-like parents to our own kids. So, Matthew chapter 7, uh, we're going to be picking it up in verse 7. Hopefully the words will come up behind. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good, uh, sorry, give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and of the prophets. Enter by a narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So the Sermon on the Mount is uh, Jesus' kind of manifesto, instruction about how he wants uh, life to be lived out, how what kingdom life is going to be. And uh, in on this section, we're going to look at how God looks at us, treats us, wants the best for us. And in turn, we can pick up how God parents us, how we should be parenting our children. And three things in this passage that God wants for us, his children, and that is firstly, he wants us to be secure. The second one is he wants us to be loving. And the third one, he wants us to be brave and courageous. If we're looking at parenting, how to be the best parents, this is a really good place to start. So the first point is how to uh, bring security or make our children secure like God has made us secure. So verse 9, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If then who, uh, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, a couple of years ago, there was a bit of a trend on the internet where people would be taking uh, video shots and, post them and posting them on YouTube. They would be giving their children really rubbish presents, okay, so like half-eaten sandwiches and things. So they would gift wrap them and hand them over to them, and, and the kids would open these up and go, oh, it's and it's just really quite amusing just to watch the kids' reactions. And, uh, you know, and the parents' responsibility to humiliate the child by posting it for millions to watch. Uh, but it was uh, really very entertaining. So we thought we would do this a few weeks back when Jake returned for his then 19th birthday. And he'd been away from us a few weeks. And so we actually got a poster-sized picture of myself and my wife and my daughter. Just so that he... It was kind of like about four times the size of those pictures up on the wall. Just so that he would not forget. And he was like, going, is that it? Yeah, that's it. That is is your present. Happy birthday, son. Um, but in reality, we don't want to be tricking our kids. I don't want to trick Jake or I don't want to trick Beth. I want them to know and I want them always to know that my concern and my love and my commitment towards them and what I say is for real. I, I don't want them to be worrying about asking me for anything. Now, on the evidence of the past 19 years, my children do not have a problem asking me for anything. But I want to be in a place where I don't want them to be afraid to ask me for anything. If they are afraid, then there's probably a little bit of a problem that is going on. Uh, as I say, I don't think they are afraid, so I think that is good. But God wants us to be in a position where we can ask him for things with a total confidence that God is good. Now, I'm not perfect Despite Jez's amazing introduction of myself, if my daughter was here, she would be laughing out loud at some of that, you know, some of the description that was being given, because she is very well qualified to say, but dad, you are not perfect. My, my daughter could easily write a book on the subject, but I do want them to have the impression that basically, despite all of my 
weakness and frailty and fragility and inconsistency. I want them to know that I am really for them. Now, as a parent, I want to be seen as someone who is approachable. Uh, a little while back, I was meeting up with a guy called Chris who goes to one of our other venues in, in Eastbourne. And uh, I was chatting to him, and I was just comparing. Uh, there's another church leader, uh, kind of the equivalent of Jez, but in Central, the new site down in the town centre called Ollie. Ollie's leading the site, and he's leading it brilliantly, doing it really, really well. And uh, they've been going just over a year, and it's really exciting to see the stories of what's happening. And I was just talking about Ollie. I was just saying, yeah, Ollie, he's, actually, he's doing really well. He's a good leader. I said, actually, I see a lot of myself in terms of personality and character in Ollie. And Chris said, oh, no, 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 he's much more approachable than you. What? Well, Chris, Chris, that wasn't the moment for you to actually speak to me about, you know, it wasn't a comparison thing. Yeah, uh, you know, ever since that moment, I've wanted to be much more approachable. But I, I, I do, actually, I do want my, my kids to know that actually they can approach me about things like our Father in Heaven wants us to be able to approach Him. That's the relationship, you know, that, that we can have. We can now know Him as, we can come before Him, you know, the Spirit testifies to us that we can know Him as our Dad, Abba, Father. You know, the relationship that you know, goes on to say that we're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves, but we're now sons, daughters of God. It wants us to be in a position where we can have a relationship with God and know him as our Heavenly Father and to be approachable like that. So therefore, if God, our Heavenly Father, wants us to be able to approach him, look, this is a really good model about how we can be wanting to or needing to be approachable by our own children. So in order to do that, we need to create an environment that whatever that means to ensure that our children know that they are secure in knowing our goodness towards them, that they can trust us, that they know that primarily we are for them. Now, a few practicals. Uh, I really actually want to make this as practical as I can. So the first thing is, is about how do we create that environment? Well, it's about keeping an open dialogue with them. Now, Blinda, my wife, is brilliant at this. She has just cultivated open dialogue from a very young age, very able to talk. Uh, Jake, we, we kind of call it Jake o'clock, that he comes into his own about 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, and that is the moment that he usually wants to have those in-depth conversations about what's going on in life. And, uh, you know, me at that point is going, I'm, I'm no good to talk. I just want to go, go to bed, go to bed. So it's like this. But my wife just sees that that is the moment to have those conversations. But it's not just about the heavy stuff. It's about having conversations, ongoing conversations, keeping the dialogue open so that when those difficult conversations happen, it's a very natural thing to take place. Uh, you know, so it's been great at that but we need to be as a couple as a married couple we've had to be aware that we've had to make some shared decisions and also within the keeping the dialogue open sometimes well actually often it's been important for us to hold the line just to hold the line but be able to explain why we're holding the line now when i'm talking about holding the line sometimes our kids have not always appreciated that i think when i did come and talk uh, last month or so Six weeks ago, I, I talked about this whole area of uh, the internet and the dangers of the internet. Now, I know as a parent, that's probably been one of the, the most difficult journeys to navigate. I would think as a parent, it probably was 
has been probably one of the greatest challenges and one of the greatest mistakes that we've made. Uh, actually, even like giving 3G access and data plans on mobile phones. It was just like going, <laughs> I would look back now and go, why on earth did I do that? But what has happened in parenting in the last few years because of this internet revolution, I think has actually hugely challenged, uh, you know, well, challenge, hugely challenging to parents. But the thing is that we've had to have dialogue, we've had to have conversation, and sometimes some of the decisions that we've made and even the restrictions that we have put into place with regards to the internet have not been popular choices, but we do see the dangers of things like the internet. A lot of good, a lot of good stuff. I, I understand the good stuff, but it's the rubbish stuff. You know, uh, my son and I were, were speaking last week, preaching last week, and he just came out with some stats about by the age of 11, I think it's a huge percentage of 11-year-olds uh, who have seen porn pornography, and at the age of 16, something like 60% of teenagers have been asked to send explicit photos, and 40% of, the, of them have actually done so. And you just go, it's a minefield, it's so difficult, and we've had to hold the line. We've had to, you know... It, it, it's like when my, my kids were young, we didn't let them cross the road on their own. We coached them, we trained them, we equipped them to be able to get over the roads without getting run over. And it's kind of stuff like that, that put in dialogue in, put in conversation in, teaching, coaching uh, youngsters in life. It's all right, no one can hear the phone. You got away with that, that's fine. And, uh, you know, it's having, uh, been having the courage to have, uh, to make decisions which might be unpopular. Now, you will be accused of being the worst parent ever, and you will be incredibly unpopular, but honestly, it's not your job to be popular, parents. <laughs> you could get them saying, but mom, every other person in the world has a Facebook account, drinks alcohol, has a boyfriend, and a tattoo, but you are only six years of age. <laughs> All right, parents do not need to supply alcohol to their 16th child's birthday, and 16-year-olds, you do not need to find your approval by getting drunk in front of your mates. Honestly, you don't. What you do need to have honest conversation, open conversation on an ongoing basis, not just in the crisis. So you're not just talking about, you know, the, the serious issues in life. You're just talking life, fun stuff. But then you can talk parties and social and social media and relationships and sex and relationships. Be there to navigate, be there to hold a hand, and be there to lead safely across. So keep open dialogue. The second practical point I will put into this section about providing security for children is to be providing clear boundaries, okay, which are going to change over time. I used to remember that we used to ban our children ever switching on Channel 4 in case the symptoms were on. We just, just ban them, okay? That's just an evil influence in our child's life. We kind of almost let them watch a little bit of the Simpsons now. But the, but the, the boundaries, there's rules that change as appropriate with the age of the child. But we have also learned that my default position as a parent was often to say no. Just no. Can we? No. And actually, sometimes the default position of no is actually not the right thing. And sometimes what is being asked for is actually a good thing, and maybe occasions we can actually say, yes, confuse them. Confuse your child by agreeing to something that they ask you for. Okay, you don't always have to say no, but some things are worth fighting for, some things are not worth fighting for. Work out which is which, but providing clear boundaries is... It actually creates security. I was only chatting to a parent the other day who was saying actually what our child is asking for is, is, is tighter rules around their life. Why? Because within it they feel safe, they feel secure. 
Uh, again, there's a guy who goes down to Centro, I guess he's in his 50s, mid-50s, and he remembers as a child, uh, he went out on his bike one time, and, he's, and he shouldn't have done it. His mum said, if you go out on that bike again when I tell you not to, I will cut it in half. <laughs> Paul went out on the bike again, and so his mum got the hacksaw out and cut the bike in half. There, there is sometimes that set the boundaries, be you know, clear on that, but also at other times, question actually is this something that you're holding out for which is really worth holding out for so we need to stop we need to consider uh, this might be inconvenient sometimes but what they're asking for is reasonable so keep open dialogue provide clear boundaries and and really i'm going to say this quite several times is parents model something and live in such a way that your children see is worth following okay so we have a, a number of friends in around the same age as myself whose lives are imploding at the moment. Uh, the, their relationship marriages or whatever, breaking up, they're getting involved immediately into new relationships. The awkwardness of like some of my, uh, my son's friends who are walking in on parents who are now having extramarital kind of relationships. And, and you just go, what kind of example is this that is being set? As a parent, actually I do want to set as best an example, not a perfect example, not something that you know is unreal, but something that is real, something that is authentic and genuine and honest, something that hopefully will express humility and gentleness, honesty, integrity, and fun and humour. And I want to be modelling something so that our kids get to see that, and in turn, as kind of like they've grown into adulthood themselves, will also get that and understand that. So all of this is about creating security. Our Heavenly Father wants us to know we've been adopted as his children. In accordance with his pleasure and will, we're kind of now children of God because of that incredible security. If we're in Christ, if we're Christians today, we have an incredible security knowing that we've been accepted, we've been approved, we've been the tick box, the like box. We don't have to get our affirmation by how many retweets. Sorry, I just pointed at you as a natural thing. How many retweets? Jez runs three Twitter accounts. It's just quite funny. He just keeps retweeting his own tweets just to get the, oh, I've been retweeted. Ooh. Sorry, that was just a little insight there into Jez's social media life. So it's, uh, have I just exposed you? No, fine. I'm not insecure about it. Excellent. Okay. Okay, so we can, uh, you know, our kids, our teenagers are getting affirmation and security by looking at how many likes they get and how many followers they get on Facebook. We need to be providing that. Our Heavenly Father has approved of us. He's given us the biggest tick possible. I want my kids to understand the security that they have. All right. uh, let's, not do, let's not leave that for someone else to be providing that. Okay, so it's about p- providing a, a secure environment. The second thing in the passage that we just read is, talk, read is just talking about being loving. He wants us to be secure. I think God wants us to be loving, so therefore our kids to be loving. Verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Now, you might know this, that the Bible kind of summarizes uh, the Ten Commandments into kind of a major commandment that says this, love God with all your heart, love one another. The chief task of any parent is not to embarrass the child at every opportunity. Okay? That's a secondary pleasure. It isn't the primary objective. Okay? Now, my daughter thinks that is clearly my primary objective. At every opportunity, she feels I want to embarrass her. But it isn't. My primary objective is actually, ultimately, to be introducing her to God. That, as a parent, is my primary responsibility, that I bring her up in knowledge and instruction and discipline of the Lord. 
I want her to see the love and the kindness and the grace of God expressed through me. I want her to know the justice and the mercy and the goodness expressed through me. I want her to know God. That is my primary objective. Actually, not even that she's safe. No, she has these crazy ideas. She wants to travel around Africa next year. It's like, oh, it's a nightmare as a parent trying to work that one through. My primary objective is not just to ensure that she is safe, but actually, ultimately, is that she's saved in God. And I want to introduce her to that. And, and parents, I understand it because I'm a parent, that, that this, we've got to provide an environment to, to, to make it as safe and secure as possible, but actually, ultimately, I want her to know her safety and security is wrapped up in knowing God. That's my primary role, to love God. And I want my child to see that priority. If it's not, then I shouldn't be surprised if it's not their priority. Love God and then to love one another. See, I know that I need to train myself, but I also need to train my kids to love others. Sometimes this is very natural. Actually, I do have a daughter who's very natural at caring and loving towards others. Sometimes you have to work on that, but to train them in loving others. Now, we can do that by encouraging and celebrating everything that they do, which is good. Well done for sharing your toy and not hitting them over the head with it. It's good. Well done. Okay. <laughs> I've got too many stories painful in my history of bringing up Jake when, uh, anyway, he wasn't always wanting to share everything with everyone. Okay, so we do need to be encouraging, you know, thank you so much for sending that text message to say that you were running late. I really appreciated that. We, we need to bring correction in a way which isn't going to humiliate, but in the most appropriate way. But also we need to be modeling this. How do we love one another? Well, model it. Don't be inconvenienced when people need our help and when people need our support. I want my kids, and I guess you want your kids, to see empathy and compassion. I uh, want to see your willingness. want to see your willingness to sacrifice. I want to disregard yourself. Uh, if you're willing to disregard yourself, then your kids are going to see and modeling that and seeing that and will want to do that. And it's basically you're saying this. Show them this is what Christians do. That's what Christians do. So, of course we're compassionate. Of course we're caring. It's like the Archbishop, I think, yesterday or this morning, kind of came out with a whole other stuff about you know, providing money, uh, food into food banks and it was a social responsibility to do that. It's, it's Christians. Christians do this. I was chatting to someone within social services recently and the huge cuts that are coming down and they're going, well, we can't do this on their own because all the cuts have been cut. But actually we need to be looking at organizations, faith groups like churches and Christians. Why? Because it's what Christians do. You know, and I actually, I want my children to be seeing that and growing up in that. They're going, do you know what? I get it. I understand it. I'm willing to be inconvenienced. And how are they going to see that? By me modeling it. For some, it doesn't come natural. It doesn't always come natural to me. But I want to be in a place where I am willing to put myself out and where it's a cost to me in order to benefit others. Even, you know, it benefits the others, but if my kids are watching, then that's a double benefit. You see, children have the uncanny way of copying parents. <laughs> and sometimes that can be really good, and sometimes that can be really embarrassing. Okay. I, I want to have some of the good stuff uh, being replicated and copied in them. Uh, so we looked at uh, providing security, creating the most secure environment. The second one I would say is about being loving, encouraging our kids to be loving, like God encourages us to love one another. And the third one is about being brave, courageous. Okay, verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. 
See, Jesus doesn't just want us to be secure and he doesn't just want us to be loving, but he also wants us to be courageous as well. And so the question is, as God takes us down this rocky road of being courageous, are we taking our children down the same rocky road of self-sacrifice, the, the, kind of some of the difficult, tough decisions in life? The thing is that that leads to life. Or are we taking our children, well, kind of more down easy street? Let's just follow the crowd well, the Bible says, look, one leads to life, the other leads to destruction. Following Jesus is certainly not the easy route, and increasingly, okay, our kids are going to find this. And my daughter mentioned 17 years of age, in college, all of her friends who, who are, they just said, Beth, we are intrigued by you. Because all, all of her friends, without any exception, are sleeping with boyfriends, having sex, uh, multiple, many, a well, number of partners, and and, and they just say, we, we've just never met anyone like you. Man, that, that's tough. But she's like, no. She almost kind of likes the fact that you know, she's in, intrigued. And uh, Belinda was chatting to her only two days ago. Do, do, do boys pay you any attention? Because we just think she's like the most beautiful 17-year-old ever. No bias. But, you know, we're just like going, do you know, and Belinda said, do, do boys pay you attention? They said, oh, it's funny you should say that. She went to a party recently, and she has a friend called Ellie, and people keep going up to Ellie and say, oh, who's your friend? Who's your friend? And I said, oh, that is Beth. She's a proper lady. All <laughs> oh, right, and they walk away. <laughs> They're kind of like going, yeah, she's a proper lady. So she has this reputation of being a proper lady, which, you know, it, it, it's a tough call. And I remember when she was 15, and she was romantically kind of connected with someone, and she called it a day because she said, you know what, I need to live with integrity. I want to live how God wants me to live. Those are tough decisions for 15-year-olds to be making. Okay? But we need to be encouraging our kids to be coming through, saying no to the many distractions of life and yes to Jesus. And when we do that, we're training our children as well, and we're helping them to stand strong when they see us standing strong. So even the fact that I remember one of our earliest experiences were in a relatively new church, uh, and, and uh, we were the creche. Okay? We had the, the one child. Okay? So... Every week, Jake, who was then well, obviously a very little, uh, Blinda would basically sit in a corridor every Sunday morning with the one child in creche. And that was it. That was her experience. But this is what we did. We went to church. We were part of this. Even at times you go, this is hard work. This is tiring. The kids are running around and they're scraping cups on the floor and they're throwing things and they're running around in circuit training and, and things like that. You go, oh, why am I here? And it's like, so it's so much easier to stay at home. It is exhausting. And I want to go, oh, we're not getting anything out of it. Guess what? It is training your children. This is what you do on a Sunday. Not to scrape cups necessarily and run around in circles, but actually they are observing something that this is what we do. And a number of our friends are kind of like going intermittent, oh, I'll do church this week, won't do church, or I'm going shopping this week, or there's football, you know, kind of on, and all those other things. If they see the shopping, if they see the fo- football, and the kind of church is the thing that you do when those other things aren't happening, let's not be surprised that when our children grow up, it's the football and the shopping that are more appealing. Because we need to be modeling something. Even if it's painful and difficult, let's model something so that the kids go, this is what we do. This is just what we do. So if they don't see you in church, well, don't be surprised if they are not in church. If they don't see you reading your Bible, don't be surprised that they won't read the Bible. If they don't see you giving generously, they won't give generously. If you're not making your relationship with God work, then why would they? See, modeling is so important, especially if you're wanting to catch them up in the adventure. 
So the bit which I kind of like preached out a few weeks ago and Beth was going, oh, you don't do that, was the bit about catching them up in acts of generosity. Because it was only kind of like two days earlier, Beth was talking about finances and go on then, how much money do you get paid and how much money do you give? And it's kind of like that British reservedness of, well, you don't actually talk about those sort of things. And actually, I was then preaching on a Sunday, let your kids see the generosity, hear the stories. Why? Because I want them to be grown up with generosity. I want them to have a measure of what generosity looks like. If I'm saying, you know, it's like, well, uh, you know, it, it's five pound in the gift day offering kind of stuff. They're going, well, how do they measure that? How do they understand that? A few years ago, when we wanted to clear off the mortgage uh, on the King Centre, which is the building down in Eastbourne, and uh, we, oh, it was like £320,000 we wanted to clear off this mortgage. And we kind of came to the church and... I think it was just before Seaford actually began, wasn't it? So it was in that time. It's come on, let's, let's clear off the mortgage because if we can clear off the mortgage, then we can spill over some of this money that rather than paying on to interest payments, we can overspill and, and launch things like uh, Seaford. And so actually what happened uh, on that particular one, we wanted a huge gift day. We just said, kids, we're not going on holiday this year. Why? Because, well, we've decided to give into this. Now, I'm not saying we do that every year. But they, they needed to understand the measure of what we were talking about, being courageous in generosity and giving. And so actually what we want to do is capture them up. So they've got a measure of that. Acts of generosity, acts of sharing your faith, having a go, not being afraid to fail. I, I need my kids to see that actually I'm going to give it a go even if I fall flat on my face. Even if it's a complete, you know, oh, and they just laugh at me. And my, my kids just laugh at me. Well, you tried. At least I tried. I'm not willing, I'm not afraid to fail in my faith. Also, capturing them up in mission, taking them with you, taking, catching, being a part of the God story in your life. Why? Because I want them to have their story, I want them to have their adventure. So I'm, I'm so excited at the moment that actually. My son's out in Singapore, Malaysia, just enjoying life, but he's so caught up in the adventures of God. My daughter is saying, you know, I want to go I'm traveling. I want to be out in the world by, because there's something in her that says, you know, I think God is calling me to the nations and stuff. And it's just, you know, it's not just looking with a high-five moment, hey, Graham and Blinn, you've got it all sorted. There's, there's lots of things that we go, oh, we wish we'd done it differently and, and everything like this. But there's something about being caught up in the plan of God, which I really want my kids to see. And so actually some of the decisions, actually we didn't always do that. And sometimes with younger kids it's not always possible because there's routines and bedtimes and all of that lot. But there comes a point where actually it's great to capture them up. I remember there was a, a guy called Keith Hazel a number of years ago, sadly died uh, a year or so back, who really hears from God, just wants to share what he feels God is saying, prophesies, uh, speaks the word of God to people. And we kind of like, you know, we, we took our kids out of the way while the other leaders. And, and Keith just said, why, why, why are you removing your kids from this? Bring them in. They need to be in on this. And so actually the following night, they were in on it because we want them to be caught up in the adventure of God. And so I would say, parents, let the kids see that. Let them see what is going on in your life. You know, and model this. Capture them up in the adventure. Capture them up in the adventure of giving and generosity. Capture them up in the, in the story of God and in the faith journeys. And, and they're seeing that, and then they will start to model it. And the, honestly, I just think there's an ability that your kids will kind of model it, and I want them to be modeling some good stuff rather than just some of the rubbish stuff which I've deposited into 
their life. So in terms of biblical instruction here, which isn't exclusive, I understand, in the Sermon on the Mount about parenting, but it is how God parents us. He wants us to be secure, knowing that we're adopted into his family. He wants us to be loving by expressing our love towards one another, and he wants us to be brave and courageous. Therefore, if that's how our Heavenly Father looks to us, guess what? That is a great way to be parenting our own kids. Help them to know that they're secure. Help them to train them to be loving towards others and help them to brave and courageous. The final point I want to make is some of you are not parents. Some of you have been parents. Some of you can't be parents. Some of you have no plans at the moment of being a parent. Uh, John has given up on being a parent. Okay. I was talking about lust and sexual purity last week, and at this point, a bloke called Matt stood up and walked out, and I just got the whole church to turn around and pray for Matt as he left the... uh, much to his embarrassment, and uh, he was just going to the loo. It was just the most inappropriate time for him to go into the toilet. So, uh, yeah, anyway, um, point off. Is that, uh, in terms of about being a parent, is about being involved. Single parents, well done, it must be exhausting. I know it's tiring mm-hmm. for double parents. Being a single parent, oh, that's a hard job. It uh, looks exhausting. Single parents need support, help. Come on, let's support and let's help. Sometimes struggling parents need grandparents around. Now, to be honest, Jez and Amy, Jez would love to go to Zumba classes on Tuesday nights, just can't get there at the moment. Because he's in there. If someone could release Jez (laughs) on Tuesday night so he can go and have date night at Zumba class with Amy, he would love that. Okay. He's overwhelmed. Jez is now overwhelmed with emotion. Thanks ever so much. So that would be a beautiful moment with your leotard and everything. So it's a, <laughs> again, yeah, from kickboxing to Zumba. Okay, so but genuinely, at times you've got, this is tough, this is hard. Sometimes you will have kids who have got uh, additional needs, special needs, and you've got, this is really tiring. Let's support, let's get alongside, because we're part of a family here. And actually there's a family. It's his family. What's happened in the last months? And it's his family. Let's play our part in, in, in wanting the best for the families, not the disapproving, the tutting, and those children running around scraping cups and making noises. It doesn't matter about scraping noises. And I want the kids in. I, I want the, you know, actually, we changed the program at the 9 and 11 o'clock meeting in Hamden Park because we used to have the kids out from the start. We said, I want the kids in. Let's bring the kids in. Let's bring them back in. And some people go, oh, but they make noise. That's what kids do. So we need to be part of family because I want my kids and I want the kids to be experiencing being in family and being a part of the church family. So I want us, it's not, oh, I'm not a parent, I've got no responsibility. If you're in the church family, guess what? We can carry responsibility. Parents with special needs children need rest. Can you offer that within your skill set and within the needs of the child? Can you offer that? And together, let's encourage the children that we've got here. I am so grateful to a lady called Anne Barrett, single lady, no children, who for the last five or six years has just befriended my daughter and four other of her friends. She's just been supporting them for five or six years now, a group of five or six girls. And they're just, her commitment towards them has just been amazing. And publicly, I actually got had to stand up and embarrass her a few weeks ago just to say what you have done in my daughter's life has just been remarkable. We've got that opportunity in other children's lives to be playing our part, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're elderly, whether we're young, to be playing a role in encouraging and building up. And the final thought on this one. Clearly, as I look through the Bible, and I've been doing following the Bible in the year, 
nearly there, nearly got to the end, is that there's a clear message in here that God's heart is for the widows and God's heart is for the orphans. What is our response? Is there anything that we can be doing towards some of the most vulnerable people within our community? Might not be technically be orphans, but emotionally and practically they are. Often have been rejected, often been pushed away, often not wanted. Sometimes don't have the parents to simply care for them. There are currently 6,000 children waiting to be adopted in the UK, and there's some 9,000 foster families needed for short and long term. We've got an opportunity to invite people into our lives and bring them home for good. Ultimately, it's what the gospel is about. How we were alien, how we were separated, how we were out in the cold, unadopted, uncared for, unloved, and then suddenly God has brought us into his family. It's an amazing opportunity we have when we love and when we show encouragement, when we build up, when we look to build up the children and even possibly to welcome children into our home is that we can make a massive difference in people's lives. I'm so grateful that God has adopted me. So grateful. Perhaps there's a responsibility from us to be expressing that towards others. So we come to the end. That's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's all been juggled here and there and everything like that, but some practical teaching right in at the end about how to parent. Let's parent like God. Let's just pray. Father, I pray for us. Many of us are in a position of being parents right now, and uh, I pray for your uh, strength, and I pray for your wisdom, and I pray for an ability to endure <laughs> and an ability to enjoy that actually there'll be moments of real pleasure, however difficult a task it is, that there'll be moments where parents go, wow, that's good, and the high-five moments, they say, we got that, finally got a decision right. I pray, oh God, that in the pressure and the demands of what it is, 24 hours a day, that you give the ability to keep going. But also, Lord, I pray wider across this family here, that there will be people on our heart, that there will be people that we can respond to, there will be situations that we can care for, not disapprove of, but actually be prepared to alter our own plans and our own preferences in order to accommodate young lives into our church family. I pray for this, ultimately for the honour of you, who reflects how we've been adopted into your family, loved and cherished by you. I pray, oh God, that we'll be able to express that towards others in Jesus' name. Amen.